0: Welcome to episode 143 of The Climate Champions. Check out past episodes on theclimatechampions.com. I'm Lee Krivat, host of The Climate Champions. If you or someone you know is a climate champion, please let me know at krivatenergyinnovations.com. This week, my featured guest is Graham Hill founder and CEO at The Carbonauts, where he inspires and guides people towards compelling, low-footprint ways of living and working by offering them live, time-efficient Zoom courses that make it easy for them to slash their footprints at home and work while saving money and influencing others. The Carbonauts' goal is to build movements within companies that reach about 25% of the staff, at which point the company culture Will rapidly mobilize towards drawdown and beyond. This podcast is being brought to you in part by the Department of Energy's Advanced Grid Research Group, whose purpose is to accelerate innovation in electric transmission and distribution technologies and create next-generation devices, software, and tools to help modernize the electric grid. The Climate Champions is also sponsored by the Gridwise Alliance. Uniting grid modernization experts from across the electricity industry, the Gridwise Alliance promotes grid innovation for a decarbonized economy. To learn more, visit gridwise.org. Also, check out the videos on my new YouTube channel, The Climate Champions, with interviews with Jigger Shaw, 11-year-old podcast host of We the Children, Zach fox Deval, Peter Kelly Detweiler, PKD, and a bunch of one-minute climate update shorts. Graham is on a decades-long, multi-company mission to help humanity move into the bright green future. He's also founder and CEO of Life Edited, designing space-efficient buildings, products, and lifestyles to yield more money, health, and happiness with less stuff, space, and energy. He conceptualized, funded, started, ran, and sold Shreehugger.com to Discovery, And he designed and obtained the exclusive license to create and sell a ceramic version of the iconic New York paper cup and has sold over half a million since 2004. It's also been a bestseller at the amazing Museum of Modern Art, MoMA, for over 15 years. welcome to the climate champions i'm lee Crivat, and i'm here with graham hill founder and ceo of the carbonauts graham welcome to the climate champions thanks so much for having me lee yeah it's my pleasure to have you on the show with regards to climate change because i've seen you've done so much what was your motivating moment what got you engaged in the fight
1: probably a long long lead up Just uh, grew up in the country, hippie parents, just really focused on that kind of stuff. So probably really came from that. And then yeah, read a book about vegetarianism in university. That probably and architecture probably had an influence. But really, I was just fortunate. I I fell in love with the internet and ended up building an internet comp one of the first companies to build websites in ninety five. And sold it. And so at, at an early age, I had made some money. And so I just really had the good fortune to be able to be choosy about what I wanted to do. And at that point, I just was doing a lot of reading. And I think just reading about evolution, and just doing a lot of nature reading, and natural capitalism, Amory and Hunter Levin's and Paul Hawkins book had a profound effect on me. I was always a business guy, and just have always loved business and entrepreneurialism. And that just combined entrepreneurialism with green. And I just thought that was amazing. And that's what I wanted to do. And so I've been focused on this stuff since 2000. That's early. That's exciting. Yeah.
0: Can you talk about your personal drivers today? What gets you up in the morning to fight the good fight?
1: Yeah, I I unfortunately uh, care about the world and the future of humanity. Uh, Otherwise, I'd probably just be doing a lot of kite surfing and traveling around. So... Yeah, I just sort of feel there's a you have a responsibility to to help out where you can, and I believe that climate change is threatening the survival of our species, and so I'd like to help out. And it's it's one of those that's a very challenging problem that needs a lot of help on it. It's really changed since I've been doing it. It used to feel very long term and out there and abstract. It's getting a lot more real these days. But yeah, this is a very uh, real and challenging. Problem And it just affects a lot of people. And so I feel like a responsibility to help ensure less of it happens and hopefully that we end up in a good place so that more of us can live fulfilling, comfortable lives. My
0: father is 85 years old. And when the fires were happening in Canada, they still are, by the way. But when New York was covered in the smoke from the fires, I asked my dad, who has been alive 85 years from New York, if that has ever happened before. And he said, nothing, nothing like it has happened. And it made me very depressed because it made me feel like we have crossed something that is hard to get back from at this point.
1: Yes. That's yeah, that's tough. And one doesn't want to be happy with terrible things happening, but there are things that happen like that, that might help us make good decisions going forward. And so in a way, I'm somewhat happy that the East Coast has gotten to really experience that because a lot of the problem with environmental movement has just been this it's been abstract and out there and and later and far away. And so as we see it come close to home, hopefully that will spur us to take action and, and get moving. Bill McKibben has a fantastic quote, and that is something along the lines of winning slowly is just another way of losing. And I'm convinced that if we had 100 years or so, we'd be set. I think humanity has been moving in the right direction on many levels. Civil rights, women's rights, animal rights, like everything's been sort of moving in the right direction and we would get there. But the problem is we have a real time frame and so we have to move quickly. And so this stuff that's bringing it home, I think, is hopefully going to help us take some real action. Not to argue with you, but my wife would be very upset if
0: I didn't mention that some of those rights that you just talked about maybe aren't going as
1: forward as they have been for a long time. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. With uh, bits and starts and some uh, backsliding, for sure. I, I agree with that, clearly.
0: With regards to climate change, I've always been of the opinion that we will start to get complete world think but my fear has been that will only be because of disasters that happen and huge weather events. And at that point, it might be too late. And I was always hoping we could get there without such things
1: as is recently happening with regards to those fires. I agree 100%. I've been at this for 23 years and hoping that we would be smart about this. And yeah, there are much more terrible things that can happen. Hopefully, we'll, we'll avoid those. And People are seeing the heat waves and the storms and the floods and the smoke and the fires. And hopefully that'll make a difference. Hopefully.
0: When you meet people that don't believe the data, the facts, or even the humans are the cause of these events, how do you try to convince them otherwise?
1: I think that's a pretty difficult thing to do. I would suggest that we, you'll often hear people say, oh, it's the deniers, like we got to fix them kind of thing. I don't think we're there. I think we're at the choir level. We need to get the choir to actually be living much more sustainable lives. And I think if we if we can get some momentum, that they're just the laggards. They'll come along when other people are doing it. So I, I wouldn't put focus there because I also think uh, it tends to have them put their heels in. And I think you just are sort of polite, but I'd be more moving on, on the choir and getting people to really take action and just building the social norms so that when there are a lot of people doing it, that's when they'll be much more uh, likely to come over. One of the questions that comes up on the show a lot is whether the
0: driving force is going to be the choir, people making changes that take into account climate change, or whether it's going to be government and companies changing the energy mix, for example, changing the vehicles we drive such that there's no choice. So people don't have to sacrifice because they don't like to sacrifice or do much because they don't like to do much. It'll kind of be done for them in that that's all they'll be able to do and they'll be fine with it.
1: The answer to all this is yes. And, and and everyone likes to point fingers elsewhere and conveniently it allows them to not do anything. But the reality is individuals, governments, corporations, corporations, We all have to do it. And hopefully that those all really work in concert. Absolutely. If we can deliver a cost-effective, little to no sacrifice or even better thing to consumers or as I like to say, citizens, I think that's great. Shannon Perry is the Chief Sustainability Officer here in Santa Monica. They, uh, years ago, put together an opt-out renewable energy option. And so now they've got 96% of the people and it was a little bit more expensive initially, but because of the volume, it's actually cheaper. So those 4% that aren't on renewable energy are actually paying more. So that's a great, you know, we want to see as many situations like that as possible. Some of the electric cars are very compelling, even compared to gas cars at this point. So yeah, it's yes, and it's all of it, and we are part. Some people say, oh, it's like these 70 companies or 100 countries are responsible for 70% of climate. It's like, okay, and we are those companies. We work in those companies. We buy from those companies. We invest in those companies. We are those companies. So it's, this is not a someone else's thing. We all need to get involved on a personal level, on a governmental level, on a corporate level. And yeah, it's a yes It's a yes and situation.
0: You know, it's interesting that you mentioned yes and because I've been doing improvisation for over 30 years. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so yes and is my motto. Yeah. I generally talk about this saying we need all arrows in the quiver. So it's everything. Sa- same idea.
1: Yeah, we've got a long way to go in a short period of time. So we need to be doing many things. It's not about someone says it's not, it's not silver bullet, it's silver buckshot. We need to be doing a lot of different things. We need to be investing in Hail Marys that may or may not work. You know, if we get nuclear fusion going, that could change everything. Just as one example, small nuclear might really help us out. Even direct air capture might come in. We need to be spending in a lot of different areas uh, and then doing the stuff, All this, definitely all the stuff that we know works figuring out how to move that along as quickly as possible.
0: Yeah, I'm 100% with you. All hours in the quiver. We don't know what's going to make it. So we need everything to go forward. And hopefully enough works and continues to work and gets more efficient so that we make it. Yep, exactly right. You haven't talked much about the Carbonauts and what they do and what you do. Can you talk about your climate change stuff?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So 23 years doing this, built treehugger.com, tongue in cheek name uh, was the biggest green site on the web for a while in the mid 2000s still going strong billions of page views later and that was all about building awareness largely getting mainstreaming green that's this is 2004 so a long time ago now we've got awareness the environmental movement has done a good job on that people do get it people are aware and climate does not care about our awareness climate does not care about our feelings, cares about our actions. And so how do we take this tremendous awareness and move it to action? It doesn't suffice to have solutions if people don't take them up. Uh, And if people do take them up, that builds momentum and volume, prices come down, which allows more and more people to get on board. And so I just became obsessed with the idea of how do we move people from awareness to action. And so what The Carbonauts does is we're in employee engagement. We do sustainability workshops, generally virtually, live, cohorts of 20, 30 people, very interactive, cameras on. We meet people where they are and we can get them engaged in sustainability so that they can get climate literate and climate enthusiastic and get behind their company's sustainability goals. We have many of these companies, which is very heartwarming. Many of these big companies have aggressive sustainability goals and not goals that are 2050, but 2040, 2030, 2025. It is happening. And they have typically have not very big sustainability teams, probably not a lot of budget, and a culture behind them it is built of your average person. Your average person thinks sustainability is about coffee cups and straws and recycling. All stuff that we have to fix, but not the big stuff. And so our role is to help move their cultures to cultures of sustainability. And we work with a bunch of Fortune 100 companies, so like big companies. And yeah, we just lead their staff through these great workshops of all kinds. And help get them climate literate, climate enthusiastic so that they're all pulling in the same direction. Uh, They can do more hiring from within and they can have just people contributing.
0: I don't know if there would be synergy with this company, Sustain6, but I helped launch them a few years ago. And what Sustain6 does is they are trying to partner with companies. So the companies that want to encourage their employees, and that's why I think there might be synergy, can reimburse them for their efforts to invest in sustainability like buying an EV or putting solar on their home or just insulating their home. Hmm. And what they find is that when the company puts a match program of some kind in place, that employees don't want to leave that money on the table. So if they even have an inkling of maybe doing some of that work, hmm. they do the work and they've had tremendous success. Anyway, there might be uh, energy there.
1: Oh, I'd love to see that. That's great. We really try to apply all sorts of behavior science to what we do. And so that one is a very clear example of loss aversion. Yes. Yeah. We, we really don't like to leave money on the table. That's smart.
0: It also keeps headcount at the company. So it's a hard thing to leave the company if they're investing in you in that way and investing in the environment.
1: Absolutely. And that's definitely one thing that we help with. Like People, staff care about their company's values. And so by working with the Carbonauts, it illustrates that the company really cares. And our focus, by the way, is on people's homes. So we are trying to find the easiest on-ramp for them. And so we appeal to their self-interest. Most people, homes, number one, not work. And so uh, we work with them on on understanding and making changes uh, at home. It sounds like at a very young age, you were very successful.
0: But were there any setbacks?
1: Yeah, I mean, entrepreneurs, you only hear the success stories generally. I've definitely had companies that just didn't work. And this one's tough. I didn't choose an easy one. Behavior change is very uh, difficult. And you know people have been at this for decades trying to make this happen. and so it's definitely difficult, and we're not we're not there yet. We're very lucky because I got a great team. And I got a great product. We do N- NPS surveys after every workshop. And so we know that when we get people there, they love it. And we've got an amazing client list, which is very cool. So we're we're good, but we're not we're not there yet. It's still it's it's tough. It's it's still a tough going. So um, I, I don't know. I wouldn't call it a setback, but it's uh, yeah, not every company's easy, and and some of them are harder. Yeah. Behavior change
0: is extremely tough. I mean, look at how many people are overweight with a threat, a significant threat to their own lives. Yes. And people just have to exercise and eat better, not just because that's behavioral change. Yeah, (laughs) it's so difficult. Yeah,
1: and this is, uh, uh, I've heard people say, if this was just an informational thing, then we'd all have six pack abs and be millionaires, right? Like this is more than just information. It's how you get people to actually do the thing. So we do a lot of things that are we know are wrong, stupid, not good for us and so it's sort of like yeah how do how does humanity do that i mean the the reality of this in my opinion is we've just we've lost our way and if we really listen to a million books and all the science it's pretty clear uh, what the basis of happiness is about and it's it's not about more stuff and more space it's about relationships and connection and time and these sorts of things so we just sort of lost our way And we just need to have a bit of a reset and we will be happier and healthier. It's like, it's not, it's not actually uh, that complex.
0: I agree, but I was recently in Greece and my guide, I had a guide on a hike. So he's super into nature and he found out what I did. And he said that it's like taking a hole in the ocean, climate change mitigation. He goes, it's never going to happen. There's nothing we can do. Mm. And here's somebody that's, Living in the wilderness and giving hikes. Wow. I have to tell you, it was very discouraging. Mm. One of the other people behind me listening that was on the, the hike said, no, no, it's like drops in a bucket. And I said, yes, it's like drops in a bucket. We need all the drops to go in and we can fill that bucket. Yeah. It's not like digging a hole in the ocean. But he said he's writing it off. Like he's not even going to try and that discouraged.
1: Me. Yeah. And there's definitely people that are doing that. And, and you know, in a way, it makes sense. It, do- it doesn't look great, unfortunately. And we're a pretty smart species and we can really make stuff happen. And so there are a lot of signs suggesting that we, we will. And I think it's sort of the only way to go forward is with positivity and, and hope. Yeah. So it's, it's balancing the seriousness and not giving up and, and, you know, also not being overly optimistic about it. Cause then maybe you don't do enough. There's like a healthy level of stress that keeps you moving forward and making this stuff happen. And as I said before, it's a lot of it is just timing. We would figure this out. So it's how do we move quickly? Yeah, my response also was, if it is
0: digging a hole in the ocean, I would rather go down with a shovel in my hand than turning my back and even giving it a shot, right? That's just not in my nature. And I don't think it's in the human race's nature. I certainly hope not.
1: Probably not. I mean, at a certain point, if we knew, maybe we would just go full hedonism. Full hedonism. (laughs) I don't think that's the answer. I'll I'll be beside you with a shovel. That's awesome. (laughs) I know that you had
0: treehugger.com and it was extremely successful. Is that the success you're most proud of or is there something else?
1: Yeah, I would say that's what I'm most proud of. And of course, it's, you know, I I came up with the idea and started it, but it's very much a team effort. And uh, Meg O'Neill was my editor-in-chief. She's working on Carbonauts with me. And yeah, it was a real team effort. But yeah, I'm very proud of it. We showed a new way to do environmental media. And people really found their people via Treehugger, and so it was very inspiring for many people because back then a modern, design-forward, bipartisan, pro-business, positive source for uh, environmental information didn't exist, and we we built it, and they came, and it's still going. So yeah, I'm I'm very proud of Treehugger. I'm really happy it's still going, and I hope it continues. And I think we inspired in a way the true impact often is the ripple effect and i think we showed a lot of people back then that hey you can actually make money in sustainability and so i know we were part of many many business plans and and i think we also showed a new way of doing environmental media which brought a lot of copycats um, which is fantastic so we really helped spark stuff and i think the the ripple effect is what i'm most proud of when you look at the earth 10 20 30 years from now how do you think it's
0: going to be you think we're going to make it?
1: Uh, I'll try to remain positive on that one. I think it'll probably be a mixed bag. I think there'll probably be some bad stuff, but I think there'll also be some really good stuff. And I think once we start to see, get momentum around positive things, those will, people will really double down. I think we'll see some incredible stuff happen. So I don't know, as an example, it might be just really understanding what we can do in the ocean and protecting it in such a way that all of a sudden you have a real resurgence of marine life and reefs and all that. Like I could see that people getting very excited and then double, like really doubling down. So a lot of that happens. And I think we'll see in the same way, electric cars and renewable energy, you know, when it starts to work and it feels right, we can really get some momentum. So I think we'll, we'll see some tremendous things happen. Hopefully a bunch of these Hail Marys will come to pass. I think that would be great. And, and yeah, and they will be, The Earth's complicated. We haven't been treating it very well. And so we'll probably have some really disastrous uh, parts also. So it'll probably be a mixed bag. It will certainly will be turbulent times. But I have a positive outlook on the future. It helps me to hear that because it gives me a more positive outlook.
0: (laughs) What do you think the impact was of the pandemic to mitigating climate change?
1: I think there were a lot of positive aspects to... COVID in terms of sustainability. I think it caused people to realize things like they were were still quite happy without having to fly around so much. A lot of people were introduced to the countryside in a bigger way. And I think a lot of city people spent more time in the country and were able to work from there and realize, wow, I sort of like this. I've been working at home since 2000. When it started to be a possibility, I was like, the world is going to change. And I would have bet on it. And luckily I didn't because it took 20 years and a pandemic to really come to pass. But I think people, the working at home is huge and it's a way more efficient way for your time, but also for energy and sustainability. And so I think that's great. So I think there are a lot of good things came to pass. I think a lot of people got focused on health and I think it also, there, there will be more pandemics hopefully we will be a lot more prepared than we were for this one because it could be worse. So yeah, I think there are a lot of a, a lot of positive things that happened. This is
0: kind of what you do. So I expect an interesting answer. What advice do you have for my
1: listeners about what they could do
0: to help mitigate climate change?
1: So I think you, you just want to think about how you can contribute. And that could be at your home, could be at work, could be in your neighborhood, could be via the government. But try to find an area that you have energy around and then focus on that. If it's your home specifically, I encourage you to understand what the drivers are. Uh, We use a Berkeley cool climate calculator. And so running a nerdy carbon calculator that'll take you 10 to 15 minutes will help you understand your footprint. And then you can be smart about how you approach it. And so, you know, ideally, the one at the top is something that you want to focus on. And so what that tends to reveal is that it's about your utilities. It's about your driving. It's about your flying. It's about your diet, about food waste, about composting. Like those are sort of the big ones. And then there are lots of things you can do. For example, in I think all states in the U.S., in about 10 minutes online or via the phone, you can sign up for renewable energy. It usually costs a little bit more, not so in Santa Monica. But if you can afford that, that is one of the easiest 10 minutes, and that makes a real difference. Probably a hundred years of being a perfect recycler, just moving, just moving to renewable energy. If you drive, getting into a plug-in hybrid or a full EV is a big move. Flying has huge impacts, unfortunately. So flying direct, flying economy, stacking trips together. So, you can skip some flight legs, skipping flights altogether. There's a lot you can do there. Moving to more of a plant-rich diet, reducing your beef uh, and lamb and cheese, ideally. Those are good things. Reducing food waste. Actually, food waste is actually 8% of our overall emissions. So, there's easy stuff to do there that will also save you money. Composting is a great thing to do. Uh, And then sharing about all this stuff. So, those are some uh, sort of things on a personal level. But also just start to share and talk about it and get involved. What's your, what's your company doing? And what are your local politicians doing? And, you know, who's the best president to vote for? Like all, all these things really matter. But the main idea is just to get started and do something ideally in an area that you're passionate about, something that works for you. Just get started. I think you've just summarized five years of advice that all my
0: 140 plus guests have given <laughs> one, one little paragraph there. Thank you. Of course. Is there anything else you want to say?
1: I'm sure I'd, I'd love to uh, say we work for many fortune 1000 companies and we do a great job. And so if anyone is interested, we would love to talk to sustainability people at large organizations. And I'm Graham at thecarbonauts.com. Hit me up and um, let's see if we can help you with your employee engagement around sustainability. All right. And with that, I'm going to wrap this up
0: and I'm going to wrap it up with a wrap. It was one of the reasons you cared about humanity, and that's because each of your parents were a hippie. You wanted to engage in the fight, and that's why you're not at home flying a kite. You have determined, hey, it is a fact that the smoke in New York made it less abstract. You want to engage everyone's hand, and that's why we need, yes, and you didn't want to just be a shrugger and that's why you started tree hugger the impact was double or triple the effect we're talking about is the ripple some advice i just can't refute is you telling people they just have to find a way to contribute you wanted to make a difference so you sought and many climate battles you have fought and so you're the initial carbon naught (laughs) if we want to reduce future generations bill you certainly have shown that you have the will we need everyone to drive carbon to nil thank you very much graham hill (laughs) wow That's amazing. The world is lucky to have Graham not on the beach flying a kite. His passion for climate change mitigation is incredible. His knowledge is broad and deep, and he truly makes you feel you can do something about it. If you have comments or questions about the podcast, visit my website at Innovations.com and drop me an email. I would love to hear from you. And if you're enjoying the Climate Champions podcast series, please subscribe, rate it five stars if you're an Apple user, and tell your climate-concerned friends about it. And check out my new YouTube channel. Just search for The Climate Champions and Lee Krivat. I really appreciated how many ways Graham listed as ways we can all help. But the best advice... Choose something you are passionate about and engage. July 3rd and 4th were both heat records for the world. The world. By the time you listen to this, there may even be a new record. You don't have to do everything. Even something small can help to mitigate climate change.